Welcome to Hard Sell, a podcast where my friend and I give each other the hard sell on a piece of media that we enjoy, such as a podcast, a video game, a set of albums, or a sports documentary. My name's Cody Morin. I'm Tim Bloom. And I'm Cozy Bloom. So, a small peek behind the curtains for the listeners. It's been a few weeks since we recorded because I was on vacation. Uh, yes. We took a, a nice trip on a Disney cruise. It was... Beautiful weather, sunny skies, all that good stuff. And it got me thinking. I was kind of curious, what is your guys' like dream vacation? Because I have one. Uh sure. that if you need a minute to think, I'll go through mine first. Sure. Let's but, hear yours first. Because I'm curious what these are gonna wind up being. So mine I one of the places I've always wanted to see is New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, and specifically, I'd love to do like a multi-week trip to New Zealand, where the first portion of it, you start on like the North Island and do like the Hobbiton movie set tour and all that stuff out of Auckland. Um, they have a place, uh, the Great Barrier Island there, that's uh, one of the international dark sky sanctuaries for like stargazing mm -hmm. and stuff that would be cool to go to. And then just traveling south through New Zealand until you get to the South Island and go stay in Queenstown for a little bit and then rent like a camper van for a week because that's just like a big business they have there is renting out big camper vans mm -hmm. uh, and then driving out and going and doing like hiking and kayaking through the fjords and like the Milford Sound area and stuff like that. Um is just something uh, that's always been on my bucket list of places to go and like things to do as part of like a big vacation. Sure. That would be very fun. I have a client who's uh, at the time of recording about to take her honeymoon for two weeks in Australia and New Zealand. Nice. That does sound very fun. Yeah. Cozy, what is yours? I was just talking to a couple of friends about like, vacations we wanted to take or things they were actually taking and i think um one that sounded fun to me would just be like an asia tour where you go to like thailand malaysia like japan uh maybe like uh beijing or somewhere in china to uh that a couple of those like i i've never really i've like the only international travel i've done that's not like is like Canada and Mexico, like that you could drive to for, or really close for the U.S. or like Europe. But I've never like done like Asia or anything on like that side. So I think that would be fun. I would definitely want to like see some places there. Yeah, that's what I've thought about before, too, Um, like somewhere in Asia, especially like Japan. But I feel like I get too nervous thinking about going there like by myself or like just me and Kayla that like I'd want a tour guide or something yeah, like that to, to direct me around. Because at least in New Zealand, you know, I, I can talk to the people there without learning another language generally. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, in this scenario, a dream vacation assumes it's unlimited money and unlimited. That's fair. So I could do a tour or. Uh, <laughs> yeah do something where i i also have thought about like my dad used to go to like thailand and malaysia a lot for work so he like knows a couple people still who like mm. live there i was like i would like go on a trip to asia with my like thailand malaysia with my dad i think that would be really fun 
um, and just like let him show me around places he's seen and stuff. And uh, I think that would be a fun trip. We could also eat because like my mom's really a picky eater and me and my dad are more like foodies. So it would be fun to like eat good food in like Thailand later with my dad. So that I, I was sort of thinking that'd be a fun trip. Yeah, it sounds like that would be a good time. That would be fun. Uh, so this is my question to make this more complicated than you'd planned originally. Sure. <laughs> so dream vacation. Are we pl- are we're imagining unlimited time and money? Uh. Yeah. Sure. I mean, like within reason, not not like a year. I think, like within reason. Yeah. I'm not, you know, maybe not one of those like year long cruises or something like that. that Sure. So, like, you know, more money than a house to to stay on for a year. But okay. So, if I had, if I, if Elon Musk hit me with a Tesla and I had unlimited money and I could quit (laughs) my job and I could vacation anywhere, I would spend like a month, uh, like backpacking around Europe. Like if I could, cause there are so many places that I mm. would like to go. Like I have loved everywhere that I've gone in Europe, uh, but I've never been to like Portugal or like Spain or France at all. Like if I could start in Ireland probably, and then like work my way through all of Europe and end in like Greece or something. Uh, and spend, I don't know, like a couple days in each major city over the course of like three or four weeks, that would be my like dream vacation. Because I like trying new cities and I like traveling. I like traveling between cities also. Like I like the, well, I took oh, a trip Oh, you have by that myself. chill train, uh, like chill train vibes. Yes, I love the chill train vibe. When I took a <laughs> a trip to like the East Coast, I went to like, uh, Washington D.C. and Philadelphia, and um, uh, I'm forgetting the other city I went to now. Um, maybe it was just D.C. and Philadelphia by myself, and like taking the train and like moseying around, like looking out the window at like the countryside. And like when I took a trip to Europe before, like traveling back and forth from places and like stopping at towns on the way, I also really liked that. So like a month yeah. of mixing traveling around different places and seeing them along with exploring different cities would be would be ideal for me yeah yeah doing a cross-country amtrak is something i've always wanted to do too just like one of the big train rides to see just all of the countryside that you don't normally get to see yeah and europe it's so it's so cool because like there's castles. It's not like the countryside <laughs> of the United States where, like, if you it's drive through fields. the... Yeah, the heartland of the United States is flat and boring. And, like, yeah. I, I like a road trip just like anybody else, but it's not... You know, I took a trip in, in high school where we flew into Berlin and then, like, traveled throughout Central Europe. And it's, like, hilly. Everything looks like the Microsoft uh, XP wallpaper or whatever it was. Of like beautiful hit rolling hills, and also there are castles. <laughs> like this is the craziest. This is just like where people drive. Like this is yeah. It's it's wild. It's like a very very cool. I I really like Europe. There's a different version of me that is like a travely hippie. Like travels around Europe and has like a travel blog and does like consulting to fund my traveling. There's like a version <laughs> of my multiverse life that does that. 
Like a digital nomad, you just work from anywhere yes. in Europe. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to do that. Like me no. in this version doesn't want to do that. But there's, I get the pull. Like there's a there's a world there's a version of me that definitely would. You yeah. should have been on that nine month cruise that's going on the Royal Caribbean one. Isn't that like a third of the people on there are all digital nomads? I don't want to cruise though. I I don't have anything <laughs> against a cruise, but like I don't want to be yeah. like. I want to be free. <laughs> I don't. I don't want. I don't <laughs> want my whole itinerary dictated for me for nine months. Like, oh, That's, nine months is a long time. So That's long. a long I time th- to be on a cruise ship, too. Yeah, yeah, it is. A week is a good amount of time. Nine months is. Yeah, it, nine long. months in what is essentially a small dorm room. It's a bit. Much. Uh, we've I mean, done I that deal- enough. We've done that enough in our life. Yes, uh, to be honest, I could deal with the dorm room, but it's the same. Like, I don't know. It's it's the cruisiness of it all that I'm just like, yeah. again, I can deal with for somewhere between three and five nights. But, like, <laughs> once you're getting more than that, I'm like, I don't. I need to, like, meet real people and, like, see something that is not tailor-made for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the unfortunate thing about vacations is that they come to an end and you usually have to come back to your boring city life. And speaking of city life, uh, Tim, last episode, wow. I pitched you. <laughs> I, okay, I didn't have uh, any transition coming into this, and I've been thinking for a long time about what I could possibly do. So this is this is what okay. we got. All right, so. I was. I thought that was planned at first. Oh and no, I no, was, no, no! That was my wow. Was like really, but okay. <laughs> All right. I can't. I can't criticize. I've had so many worse than that. So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, last episode I pitched you on the video game Mirror's Edge, and I will let you take it away with your review. Sure. So Mirror's Edge. It's. It's. Uh, I understand for the listener, it's been two weeks for. Us, it's been over a month, I think, since we last recorded so. an episode. Um, so it's been a minute. Mirror's Edge is a action platformer, really, um, mm-hmm. that wherein you play Faith Connors in a sort of dystopian, futuristic city uh, where there's like an oppressive totalitarian regime that controls the media. Um, and Faith is a runner or someone who is a smuggler, basically, like runs along the roofs and windowsills and etc. of the city. Mirror's Edge is in reference to like running along the edge, looking at a window like it's the mirror of a window um, along like big skyscrapers as you run information or smuggled goods it seemed like usually information of some kind yeah you were like i think that's careers basically mm-hmm. uh and i guess spoilers for the very start of mirror's edge but it starts when a major political figure is assassinated and faith's cop sister is uh framed for the crime uh and it the rest of the game is you avoiding the police as they attempt to hunt you down and uh, investigating and attempting to find out who killed this uh, political figure and figure out who framed your sister and ideally rescue her in some way. Uh, The gameplay itself is uh, 
I mean, it, it's like an action platformer where you're running around. It's first person, which I think is very unique. You don't see a lot of games like this in first person. At least I haven't. Um, yeah. And adds a sort of like a gives it a very different vibe from most platformers, I would say. And it's basically you like running along rooftops, dodging gunfire or sometimes trying to <laughs> emphasis on trying to shoot <laughs> back or punch your way through situations as you move from point A to point B. Yeah, and it's like it's almost like it's two different styles mashed in one because there's like those high pace running sections, but also mixed in with like slower paced puzzle platformer sections almost mm-hmm. where you have to like that you're not being actively chased or shot at, but you have to like figure out where to go to navigate through each environment. I mean, I think that's even still true when you're being shot at. Like, I think it's pretty that's puzzle true. platformer throughout. It's just, <laughs> yeah, sometimes, sometimes a little more frenetic than, uh, than <laughs> others. Yeah. Um, I will say, I don't actually have this in my bullet points, but I do appreciate, I felt like it saved my progress pretty frequently. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I bring this up on every platformer, You not even every platformer, just every like a video game that we pitch of like, I hate repeating a lot of content and like inherent to the platformer is dying and repeating content, but how awful that does or does not feel is dependent in part. One variable to the awfulness is, uh, how much you need to repeat at a given time. And I felt like this hit the, hit the like balance pretty well of like, I don't want to be dropped exactly at the jump I missed every single time, but I also don't want to be like going back forever. And I felt like it, it was, it hit that balance pretty, pretty well. Yeah. There was a definitely a couple times in my replay of it. And it, um, a few weeks ago that like, I, uh, I was definitely frustrated at a couple points where, like, I died and I it took me back a ways. But it, at the same time, um, I kind of liked in some of those moments having that extra space that I could get into, like, the flow of running from, like, set piece to set piece. Yeah. Um, kind of the way the mm-hmm. game is, like, meant to be played. So it gave me, you know, not dropping you right at that jump. Um, and giving you a little bit of room to catch up speed and stuff like that felt like you were playing the game and that section, like the way it was intended to be ran through one, like yeah. the time that you got it right. Yeah, for sure. Um, so immediate notes, mechanically, physically playing this game was an ordeal. I attempted to play it first on the computer, uh, that did not work at all because it is an old game and, uh, it, I guess was built before a time that you could put a program full screen and lock your cursor yeah. to just one of the screens. Um, so <laughs> back, in, I, back in a time when most people used one screen, because this correct. came out what two thousand six, two thousand eight. So yeah, like fifteen years ago. I mean, the truth is, this came out at a time where probably eighty plus percent of people played it on console. Uh, oh so yeah, like, true. Uh, so that's what I did. I just played it on Xbox instead, um, which was a much, much better experience than trying to play it on the computer. The downside is the controls, which are not editable, uh, 
I hate it. The The default controls on the Xbox, the jump is left bumper, and slide yep. is left trigger, and then punch is right trigger, I believe. And something else is right bumper that I'm blanking on now. But I having both of your like movement buttons on different left, it felt so bad. I wanted A it's really or right trigger to be jump so yeah. badly. Like, and I wanted yeah. to edit it. They would not let me edit the controls, and it took me so like again. This is just <laughs> something that happens when you're playing a game from 15 years ago. But I was like, I'm dying trying to remember which of these controls are which. Yeah, that was one thing that caught me off guard, because I don't remember ever thinking about that back when I first yeah. played this game, but it had been 10 or 11 years since I played it. And so when I replayed through it again now, I was like, these are the controls? Really? And then I had mentioned to you that I started uh, playing a little bit of the sequel, um, mm -hmm. and they kept the same controls for the sequel. They did not change them. So Honestly, it'd be wild to switch it for the sequel though because like you've gotten used to like a control setup they wouldn't like fully change it yeah yeah it's it's it was uh i mean i figured it out eventually eventually i got it but i was like this is not how i would design this um the story itself is told through like through playing the game and then like between levels through these like cuts to I don't even really know how to describe it, like graphic novel or like anime-esque, sort of like very stylized graphic setups. Um, I actually really liked those. I wish there was like a little more of that throughout the game, because those are the, it's it was like the little vignettes when I was not platforming around that were like the easiest times for me to like grasp the story the game was trying to tell. And I liked yeah. the... This the, those had a really strong aesthetic and style that I appreciated. Yeah, it was like low budget Saturday morning anime. Yes, exactly. <laughs> in, in a in a in a sort of complimentary. Uh, tone. Yes. Yes. Um. Another bullet. As I don't like heights. Heights freak me out. Um. Just as a per I've gotten better as I've gotten older. Like, I used to be really afraid of heights. Okay. I got stuck on a roller coaster when I was a child, and it, it really freaked me out. And I uh, developed a fear of heights that I've more or less gotten over. I will say, falling off a building in this cool. game was terrifying in a way that I kind of liked. I kind of liked the tension that that brought, but boy, the first couple times, especially, I like fell off a building, was like, I could feel the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Yeah, it's very, it's not just like a simple, the screen fades black. It's like everything accelerates and blurs, and then you get a loud noises, and then there's just like screen fades to black as you hear a bone crunching sound, and then and then yes. it goes back to your last checkpoint. Mm. It's as graphic as dying in Outer Wilds. Yes, it is. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's yeah. the right comparison, especially because you're both first person. But Outer Wilds is cartoonier, and this game is very much going for a realism aesthetic like uh you know you compared it like it came out around the time the like jason bourne movies are coming out it's mm -hmm. that era of like action movie with like shaky cam and it's like the post matrix action movie of like everything feels messy everything feels shaky it feels very like physical and grounded and i think the gameplay 
felt very physical and grounded. You feel the, like, thump as you, like, land on a roof, and you, like, you can't sprint. You are, you are running. You have to, like, build momentum. There's no special video game sprint button. Um, and, like, those pieces felt very interesting. I, we relatively recently replayed Mass Effect 1, mm-hmm. uh, and, like, relatively same era. I think Mass Effect 1 came out about a year before um, Mirror's Edge. It sounds about But, right. like, the movement in this feels much more, like, down-to-earth and realistic, whereas Mass Effect 1 felt very, you know, it felt like a video game from 2007. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think those are the pieces that I liked the best. I felt like the the general like movement feel and the general sort of like uh aesthetic of the story stuff felt good to me. Um I wish I liked the world more. I like looked up the reception of this game and so many of the things were like praising the world and this is something that I think is like different for me coming to it in 2024 of like everything felt so flat everything felt like so Mm. empty to me and it's it's a lot of the like textures and i get that like part of what they're doing is this is like a dystopia where it's controlled by these totalitarian again a totalitarian government that controls the flow of information and every building looks the same and everything. Like, I get that that's sort of part of it, but, like, there's, like, no people in this game except for cops. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, give it's me you something. you and cops, yeah. <laughs> and give me some other scenery to look at. Like, at a certain point, um, the thing that it encouraged me to do was to, like, not see the scenery and to just think about it like a, like, Mario game, where I'm, like, not thinking about the the spaces or what they mean for the world or whatever. I'm just thinking about it as like a challenge to overcome. And like that, I think takes away from some of the realism of the game and makes it much more of like an arcade style video game. Yeah, that's fair. And I think, I think that lends it, that lends to the game. Um, some of the flow, like it, I think with a much more simplified environment, they are more easily able to like direct you without, you know, always throwing big glowing red arrows at where you're supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Um, they can kind of like naturally direct you to where you're supposed to go. And maybe that was easier than like doing a more cluttered, realistic looking setup as opposed to like flat white everything with like one accent color per zone yeah um but i i can definitely understand that i think that's something that changed a lot uh i have not stepped into the sequel a whole lot Mm -hmm. um, but i think that's something that they shifted that aesthetic a lot in the sequel to be much more kind of realistic looking in that sense yeah because I think if you did make it more varied and you made you extended the realism to the like level design and the like environment design, what you would need to do is make it all interactable. And like truly like my biggest disappointment with this game was the level design was like 
when I thought of this as like a parkour game, the, the like expectation or like promise I had in my head was like, uh, that this is, I'm going to get to go anywhere that there's, there's a, a mm. ton of buildings and I'm going to get to be able to like choose my route and every window I can climb up and every whatever, like that was my expectation. And that increasingly has been like the standard in games of like, you look at like breath of the wild that like kind of reset expectations for what like an open world game is and can be. And I think even like Assassin's Creed, especially like the mid level, like mid like Assassin's Creed two through three, there were like four games between Assassin's Creed two and three. Um, like that era of game, you could see like Ubisoft consistently expand. Like Assassin's Creed one is just like, there's a route, the windows you can climb up are, like, very clearly labeled of, like, these are climbable windows. And once you get to, like, Assassin's Creed 3, everything is climbable. That seems like it should be. And, like, Assassin's Creed 3 came out over a decade ago, and that has continued to be the standard in video games. That is not how this game works. Like, this yeah. game, there's lots of windows, and there's lots of stuff, there's lots of interactable things that look like they could potentially be interactable your path or things you can interact with light up in bright red co like co colors it's what they call it runner vision i think um yeah which i think that was pretty because what it what it then becomes at that point if you're like you and there are there are little tweaks you can make right like there are different ways you can get from like point A to point B, you can either, like, run around a little outcropping, or you can go over it, you can, like, hop a fence, or you can go around the long way around the other side, or, like, there, there are little variations that you can make, but, like, it really is a pretty linear game. Yes, it it, it is. Um, yeah, and I, I think... Oh, go ahead. Uh, the thing I kept thinking about while I was, like, playing it is I wonder... Like, I would be curious for this game combined with, like, one of the, like, skateboarding games from a similar era, like the Tony Hawk skateboarding games, where, like, you're put in a big map and you have to, like, get a high score or, like, hit a certain score, by, but you can do whatever you want to, like, get it. Or there's, like, certain things you have to, like, get, like, collect a certain thing or, like, whatever, but, like, you get to choose how you get it and there's not always, like, a prescriptive path. There's a lot of, like choice of like if you want to like it's skateboarding so if you want to like grind on things to get there or like do jumps or do whatever like a lot of times you have lots of ways that you can like tailor your like style of skating in this video game to like how to achieve these like goals yeah especially with the the like explosion of open world focused games in the last like five six years mm -hmm. um you know, because there've there've been quote unquote open world games for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, but like, really, in the last five years, they've like, it's been every company that's releasing a big game is like, we're we've got an open world too, guys. Uh, <laughs> and so, I mean, I think it's uh, Breath of the like, Wild, right? Like that. Yeah. That's the game that like in 2017 comes out and like changes explodes and becomes the biggest game in the world and like changes what people think about when they think about open world whereas like 
before it was like Assassin's Creed of just like you can run through any street you want. Whereas in Breath or of the like Wild, a, like GTA Three or something like that, where yeah. you can like drive anywhere and you know go do whatever. Right. Whereas in but go do whatever means like you engage with verbs in specific ways. You see a cop, yes. you can fight them. You see a gas station, you can like or a clothing store, you can go buy clothes at it. Like the yeah. promise of Breath of the Wild is like every mountain is climbable and yeah. like everything is a thing that you can interact with and you can you have a it's just like a giant complicated playground and they give you tools and no direction and you do what you want in it or like skyrim maybe is even the the better earlier example Mm -hmm. um that just like yeah that that trend of like give players verbs they can do to the world of like fly or fight or pull or talk to and then set up it's sort of like how you tell people to be like a good GM or DM in a tabletop role playing game is less like give me a plot and give me a designed route and more like create a space, give players tools, let them do and then let them use tools how they want to and adapt based on that is like how they tell you to do it. And like, again, I know when I'm GMing as game designers know that like, I will 90% of the time predict within a certain degree of accuracy what the players will do, but it's the, it's the like freedom of choice that I think is, has become such like a staple of action adventure games that is just sort of absent in this game. And I think, you know, looking at, um, you know, cause this game was put out by dice and yeah. I think looking at their history, I'm not entirely surprised that they didn't go that like big and ambitious because this was like it it seems like it was almost an experimental game for them because all of their biggest games at that time were like all battlefield. Yeah. And so this was them like branching out and trying something and for them to, you know, in 2008 attempt to do like a huge open world like that feels like it would have been a big reach for a company that hadn't done anything like that before and was, you know, more focused on like shooting games. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm not at all surprised that they did a much more like linear focused on like a short, a short runtime, um, just kind of like getting a feel for what it could be like. But I definitely agree that, you know, in if they were to like redo this in a modern day game, mm. like if they did a mirror's edge 2024, um, I feel like that would almost be like a requirement to keep up with modern, like modern game releases would have mm-hmm. to, it almost have to be like an open world of one of these cities, um, yeah. allowing you to like parkour anywhere. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I think you're right of, like, this is definitely a different type of game, both for the time and for the studio. Um, because, like you said, dice, mostly shooters, and this is not a shooter. Again, you technically can shoot, but it's almost <laughs> never a good idea. Yeah. Um, this is a platformer-ass platformer, or, like, a puzzle platformer-ass puzzle platformer. That is what it is, like... Tough jumps, sometimes under duress, sometimes not. Tough fight. Even the fights 
are act secretly platformers. Like being able to time hits of like grabbing someone's gun while they whip it at you or whatever, that's a platformer mechanic. Like that mechanic like it's no different than timing a jump as a platform appears from below <laughs> you or whatever, right? Like it's it is a platformer through and through. Uh, which, as you, as I describe it, you may be predicting, was a struggle for me. I don't like platformers. Like <laughs> I, I'm bad at them. I get frustrated so fast. It. This was tough. It was a tough, both uh, skill wise and tough for me to like uh, get through. The my strategy. The thing that I figured out. I did finish this game. Um. I was ready to throw the controller at about level two, and okay. cozy was cozy was there. You experienced this as I was getting increasingly filled with hatred as I played. <laughs> um, yeah, Mirror's Edge. At one point, Tim said to me in the whiniest voice I've ever heard, "I don't like platformers. It's making me do platformers." <laughs> uh, uh, we don't need to. That's some editorial that didn't need to be included. Um, <laughs> My strategy to beat this game that I think needs to be my strategy every time I play platformers moving forward was I turn the volume off, I put headphones on, and I put a podcast on, and I purposefully disassociated. Like, I I just did my very best to shut every piece of my brain off except the one note that was just trying to do the jumps and the one note that was uh, listening to a podcast. And I was like, don't worry about time. Don't worry about how much time's left in the game. Don't worry about anything else that's going on in your life. Just try to fully, like, forget that you're here. <laughs> this now sounds like a trauma <laughs> response, which it sort of was. Um, but that's how I got through the game, really, was just, like, podcast on, no thought, just, like, jump, jump, jump roll tuck dodge grab gun jump 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 and without don't think about the level design don't think about it so i have very few notes about like the back half of this game because i barely remember it i just sort of like put myself in a fugue state and was like i must finish this and then <laughs> uh finished it well, I'm proud of you for finishing it. it sounds like Thank you loved you. it. <laughs> it's a, it's a, you know, again, is this a healthy response? I don't know. Uh, however, it did allow me to finish this this game, which I, I definitely did do. Um, the biggest downside of this approach is I don't have a lot of story thoughts. Like, yeah. it's definitely a complicated story. There's a lot of characters. I will say. Uh, this is a place that a game from 2008 hurts because it is difficult to tell some of the character sprites apart. There are moments where you like see a character's face, and I it's it's like a reveal, and it's clear I was supposed to like recognize who that was and be like, <laughs> I don't remember. That looks like a lot of other characters. I don't remember yeah. who that was. And again, part of this is also maybe like I'm not listening to much of the sound because I'm just trying to like treat it again like an arcade game that I'm just like running through. Yeah. Uh, so it was hard for me to like track what was happening in the story. There's, I mean, I get like the broad strokes of like there's a conspiracy to kill the runners and you get betrayed and like 
I, I get I get the cliff notes, but I don't have a lot of like deeper story thoughts based on how I played the game. Yeah, and I mean, realistically, the story is it's got some I would say silly bits in it. I mean, spoilers yeah. for nearing the end of the game, like. One of the whole big things you're trying to figure out throughout the game is what in the world is this big Project Icarus that's so big and secretive, which turns out it's training cops to be better at running. Yes, so they can. <laughs> I so forgot. They can I keep up with the runners. And I it's was like, like, this is okay. It. It's just to like make <laughs> cops better. Like it's just yeah. It was just which like I will hire say, quicker cops. <laughs> for for me that. I enjoyed the moment after that where, like, you have cops that can actually chase you. Because yeah. I found that, at least as far as, like, game beat moments go, like, more stressful knowing that I'm being actively chased by things that can keep up with me. Yeah. As opposed to, like, I know if there's a cop with a shotgun that I can, like, just get to him and take his gun and shoot him. And then throw oh, the gun man. down and run away. But like, I wish I ever felt like I could consistently <laughs> take a shotgun from a cop. Uh, yeah. Did you use the time slow mechanic at least? Yeah, but it's too okay. much. Like it slowed yeah, time it too is. much. It's crazy. Like I it is. and it lasts for so long, and then just like ends. So I did use it, and I I needed it sometimes. Like it, it was more helpful than not helpful, but not by a lot. Like like only for some yeah. very specific moments for me. That was it. Was like one of the things about this game um, is that there is no HUD at all in the yeah. game. Um, to distract you from anything about the game that isn't just like the running, um, mm-hmm. the literally the only thing you have is a reticle in the center of the screen, which I think I had read or heard or something at one point was only added because people were like, when they were trialing the game, were getting like motion sick. Oh, sure. And they found that yeah. adding oh. the little reticle like helped to stop mm-hmm. that. Um, but. Uh, the the down one of the downsides is that you know for stuff like the time slow mechanic you don't really know like when it's ready to use again when it's gonna end yeah just kind of sometimes you can hit it and use it and then you don't you might be able to use again in a minute and then you don't know when it's gonna end uh so like stuff like that could be improved but Mm. Yeah. The the thing about it, though, is like you really only use that for combat. mm -hmm. The combat is not that great, but like all of that, at least in my mind, sort of encourages me to just avoid the combat where I can, which, and just focus on like running around people faster. Yeah, 100%. And I, I agree with you. Like, part of, I had that same thought of like, this is interesting design. Like, it's interesting design. You can do combat, but like I said sort of at the top, it's almost never the right decision. It's almost never a good idea to start shooting at the cops because you kind of have to stop running to do that and Mm -hmm. other cops will catch up to you. And like, usually the cops are better at shooting than you. At least that's my experience. Maybe that's my skill level, but like, uh, it definitely encourages you to not do that. Part of me also is like, 
You could do that without the bad time slow mechanic. You could just do, just make me more like you just do that with balancing the same way and then make the time slow mechanic better and it'll still be fine. Or, or make the recharge. You know, the recharge is too long. It's not like it's long enough that you can keep fighting over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, but yes, it is a. It's it definitely felt, at least in terms of the not having the HUD, it definitely felt like a stylistic versus gameplay choice of like it definitely does hurt the gameplay for me to not have some sort of arrow about where i go or some sort of like uh timer of when i get slow time back or whatever um but it is there is something interesting about just having the screen being first person just like seeing the world again it's like i would think that was cooler if the world was more interesting to see uh, or felt more again if I could jump on everything that like if it felt more realistic and less like a, a platformer that was like pretending to be a giant world uh, I would be way more into that choice to not have a HUD at all but if you don't have a HUD and also it feels like a, the the you know the platform you're supposed to jump on lights up bright red then I'm like okay well it still is pretty like video game ass video game so just give me a mini map like what are we doing like let's let's pick a lane here a little bit yeah because yeah, that's the my thing. runner's no vision maps. turn stuff red and not have a mini map <laughs> yeah that's well so the the other thing about it um if you play once you beat the game you unlock like the hard difficulty. Mm-hmm. Um, which the difference is you do not get that runner's vision. Um, I would hate that so. So much. you don't. It, so you don't. There's so many see things that look like you should pieces. be able to jump to them, and you just can't. And so, but, but I think there are more. There's more than just what they highlight that you can sure. use. Yeah. So like it, it you can use the same paths, or you know if there are sometimes better paths that they didn't highlight. Um that you can mm. then go follow instead when you're not focused on the red bits. Um, yeah. Which I think, you know, for someone like me who really likes games like this, going back and then playing it on the hard difficulty to kind of find my own path through is really fun. And I think lends uh, this game a lot towards like a, a really good speed running game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when it's when you're on the normal difficulty and you're just focused on trying to get through and you're just going from red set piece to red set piece, uh, yeah, it, it removes a little bit of that for sure. It, kills, it removes the magic a little bit. When it when you do play on that hard mode, does it feel like the like world is your oyster and it and it is like you can run where you can see, or does it feel like there are two paths and you're trying to find the better one? Uh, it still feels a little bit kind of like there's, you know, a couple ideal paths that you should follow one of. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it just, it feels less forced. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't feel like, yep, go this way, then go this way. It's like, oh, okay, I see, I need to get over to there and I could go like, you know, a number of these different directions that will all get me to that one linear point, but, um, yeah. but it's not telling me like this is the way to go Mm, interesting um i think those are my big thoughts about the game though um yeah the only other things i had 
um, there was a moment that I laughed out loud real hard. Uh, at the very because, end? N- well, that was one of them. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, so spoilers for the ending. Uh, you save your sister as a helicopter's flying away. You, like, jump into the helicopter, send the helicopter crashing down. You save your sister from... She jumps to the roof of the building that the helicopter was flying away from. You pull her up to safety. Specifically, to be clear, the villain corners you and says to you... You can't live on the edge all your life, Faith. Sooner or later, you'll have to jump. And then you jump to the helicopter. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, like, knock him out of it. And then uh, he shoots at the helicopter, kills the pilot. Presumably it goes crashing down, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, so then the game ends with you and your sister standing, looking down at where this helicopter was crashing down to. But there were also a ton of cops on the top of that building that are that were like shooting at you. They're just mm-hmm. gone now. You're just standing there, and it's it's whatever. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was pretty good. The other one was there's a big boat that you get onto, mm-hmm. um, and at one point you like step out onto the deck of this boat, and a bunch of sniper lines aim at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like immediately ducked for cover just as they fired at me into an explosive barrel that I did not know I was next to. And it just absolutely exploded and destroyed me. Gotta which love I thought those was moments. very fun. They uh, used to have to be like Halo all the time. <laughs> the amount of times I would like run away from a grenade only to run into a different explosion. Though I do unironically love those moments. Yeah. Um, there was the one thing about the combat that we were talking about. Um, that, you know, it, it's very rarely the right option. One downside, I think, is that there are a couple moments in this game where it's, like, basically required. Yeah. And it just kind of feels bad and, like, out of place for a game that the combat is not good for them to force you into it. I don't know. There's, there's, on that same boat, you, like, meet your rival and you fight them. And it's... like, I just ended up cheesing the fight by, like, hiding behind... There was, like, a big... I don't know if it was, like, a bench or a big planter or something. Mm-hmm. Like, long enough that she would pull out her gun, I would come out from behind it and, like, punch her twice and then hide behind it again until she pulled out her gun. Yeah. And then the game, like, doesn't telegraph very well that you're supposed to, like, steal her gun once you've punched her enough. Um, at least I didn't think it did. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's... There are just some rough bits like that, but... Yeah, but I, I would say, in general, the most frustrating moments are... This game does what I think a lot of... Like, platformers have moved away from this, but a lot of, like, old-school platformers are, which is, like, we're not going to show you the route. But there is, like, a way you're kind of supposed to do it, and you just are supposed to, like, intuit it. And that thing of, like... I think you're trying to get me to do something and I don't want to do it, but it's clearly like the optimal thing. Yeah. Uh, That was like the most frustrating or was until I sort of went into this sort of like, I'm not my body. I'm not even here. I'm a spirit (laughs) that floats on the wind and my fingers are working the controller by themselves. Sort of Zen moment. Uh, my only other question was, do you have any idea how long it took you to play this game? Because I don't know what the average, like, playtime is on this. 
I would, I don't remember exact, I played in like quite a few, I knew we had a lot of, I mean, I didn't, I didn't want to play it too early, so I didn't start it super early. Yeah. Um, but I played it in a couple different sessions. I would say somewhere in the neighborhood of eight-ish hours, probably. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of what I figured. Mine, you know, I've obviously played this a couple times. So, like, I was able to get through it in just under, like, four hours. Yeah. For a, a full run. But I, I kind of assumed somewhere around, like, eight or so. Yeah, I think that sounds right-ish. Yeah, I think uh, that's pretty much all of my thoughts on the game, too. So the only thing left, Tim, at the end of the day, would you give Mirror's Edge a yaw or a nah? Yeah, this one's going to be a nah for me. I just fucking hate platformers. (laughs) Like, I just don't like... It's just not reward. Like, when I finished the game and came out of my sort of coma, uh, I... I felt relief. I didn't feel happiness. I just was like, thank God I can stop. I can cross it off my to-do list. Uh, the the only real plus side for me, like the, the most meaningful plus side was the like game feel, which was better than I would have guessed from a 2008 game. But the truth is like, th- this hard sell is not like, do you think this game was good for its time? It's like, do you like it? And the, like, if I compare this to, like, the movement in Titanfall, or the movement in, like, the Spider-Man games, which are, like, fucking awesome, or something like we both play, like, dragon riding in World of Warcraft, (laughs) like, both Titanfall, Spider-Man, and WoW are three games that I have, like, booted up just to, like, wall run in titanfall or like spider-man the amount of time i probably spent uh, at least a few hours playing the like playstation spider-man game just like swinging around new york city uh i spend i've spent too many hours just like flying aimlessly around on my dragon in wow uh and like you know it, it's just it's not really fair to like compare a the movement in a game from 2008 to games of 2024 but that fundamentally is what i have to do yeah and like it just doesn't hold up and even within these games even within like wow right i don't do the like dragon riding races i have like no interest in the like platformery (laughs) style even within spider-man i like skipped all the optional side quests that require you to do the swinging at like a very specific like platform-esque pace uh it just is like not my interest at all which is obviously the big difference between you and i and these because dragon riding races is the one thing i do in wow besides (laughs) the stuff we do as a group i know it's such a stark (laughs) yes you've done all of them i've done none of them i've done i've done all of them at bronze i do them all to complete them i don't uh like optimizing your route to get the highest could not be less could not be bored <laughs> faster very fair uh can all i will just ask can you at least see uh based on you know in this game in 2008 there was not really another game that had movement like this mm-hmm. so can you at least see why i might have been excited for that brink game 100 percent. So i I can, I can see why what is appealing about this game for sure 
Yeah. Um, like, I can see what is interesting and or even, like, important about this game in terms of game design moving forward. Um, if you like platformers, uh, <laughs> like if, if you are into it, I get why you like this game. And so it was yeah. vaguely interesting. However, if I was playing this game, not for the podcast, I would have shut it off 30 minutes in and just been like, this is not for me. <laughs> yeah, this is, I get it. I see why it's interesting. This is not a game for me in the same way. I would shut off a game where you get to play as the cops. Be like, yeah, I don't, I have no interest in being a cop in real life or imaginary. Yeah, you know, I always I always look at these games, I have them on my list, and I'm like, I'll pitch Tim this game, that'll be a good one. <laughs> and then I and then I pitch it, and then I replay it, and I'm like, yeah, this is another platformer for Tim, huh? It's You know what? <laughs> you just keep banking these up and get ready when I pitch you horror game, and then football manager, and then... Uh, you know, just just get ready. I'm I'm banking some some real bangers for you later. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm waiting for it. So, mm-hmm. well, I'm I appreciate you giving it a shot, Tim. Of course, it was a pleasure. <laughs> it sounded like it. Oh yeah. All right, and now it's time to jump into the middle segment. Cozy, what do you have for us this episode? I have a sort of throwback uh, question for both of you. What is your favorite Batman villain? Oh, this is a complicated question. The immediate answer that comes to mind is Two-Face, to be honest. I, like, love okay. Two-Face in the cartoons. Sure. Cody? Um, Kite Man. I'm... Well, no, I'm thinking, like... 1960s Batman Joker. Sure. 1960s yeah, Batman Joker is yeah, that's a good one. Um I mean there's a lot of good Batman villains. I think like modern Batman, like Scarecrow is also really good. Um but my absolute favorite is of course the 1960s Batman Riddler. Uh, sure. because the riddles in the 1960s <laughs> Batman show are unhinged and great. So I have some riddles for you guys brought to us by the Riddler uh, in the 1960s. Uh, the reason I love these riddles is because they're nonsensical for the most part. Uh, and that's what makes them great. Uh, for example, uh, just you can get a flavor for the riddle- riddles and for our listeners, because I'm assuming you guys, or at least Tim, probably knows the answer to these ones from watching the movie as many times as we have watched yeah. it. <laughs> Um, one of the Riddler's riddles are is um, Tim. You get to answer these. Sure. I will uh, answer if you've forgotten. Uh, but what has yellow skin and writes? Uh, is it a pencil? No. Oh, I don't remember. Oh, okay. That. So you've forgotten. Okay. It's oh, is a it a ball- ballpoint banana? Uh, it's a yes. ballpoint banana, obviously. <laughs> to be clear, not a thing. Uh, but okay. And so then the rest of this exchange in that movie goes. Uh, the second riddle is what people are always in a hurry. Russians. Yes. The answer is Russians. Because they're rushing. Yep. So uh, to be clear, the Riddler's riddles in the 1960s Batman movies are puns or jokes. They're never yeah. riddles. Not no. once is it a riddle. It's always a like a yeah, like a laffy taffy joke. Uh laffy taffy <laughs> rapper joke. Uh yeah, like a like a where do the Russians keep their armies kind of kind yes. of joke. Yes, exactly. Yes. So after 
they, he gets the Russians joke. Robin says, I've got it. Someone Russian is going to slip on a banana peel and break their neck. And then Batman says, exactly, Robin. It's the only possible answer. <laughs> Which uh, is the I logic of the 1960s, 1960s Batman. Batman yep. series that we know and love. Uh, just like making things up like a ballpoint banana and then acting like that is so obvious. Uh, that's the only thing that could have been true. Mm-hmm. To be clear, Batman and Robin get these riddles in like two seconds flat, mm-hmm. as if there is no possible way you could. Uh, these are like the easiest child's play riddles you could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put you guys to the test and give you a couple of these riddles. Most assuredly, you're not going to get them. Oh, no. Also, sometimes awesome. the Riddler's riddles are not riddles, but insults disguised <laughs> as riddles. <laughs> Great. So, like, I can't okay. wait. That makes them even harder to get. Uh, so I have a combination of some that are like possible, impossible, nonsensical, because that is what brings me joy. And I run the middle segment. So great. All right. Uh, riddle number one. I have to decide because I'm looking through all of these and they're all so Oh my good. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You don't have riddles picked out? No, I have them picked out. I'm just trying to decide which one to do first. I see. Okay, uh, what are the chilliest 12 inches in the world? Uh, a foot of, a foot of something. Uh, stepping foot in the snow? <laughs> this is so Not hard. totally no, off base. It's just like a, a foot in, I don't know, I don't know. A, a, a foot six feet under, I don't know. Uh, the answer is cold feet. That's it. That's it. Just I mean, you were cold. Feet. You were we kind were of getting close. around it. You have I to think, think Laffy Taffy joke. Uh, not, uh, not real riddle. But yes, okay. you were you were okay. quite close. The answer is feet that are cold. That's that's yes, the answer. Got it. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, which president of the United States wore the biggest hat? Uh, who has like a hat-based pun name? Oh boy! U.S. presidents. Do they have Google in the nineteen sixties? <laughs> no, they. Batman just knew everything, and Robin. Yeah. Right. Of course. Um, Actually, one of his bat powers is weirdly good at riddles because bats are gonna... actually really good at riddles. Except we just didn't, don't know because they don't speak English. What is it going to be? Something really dumb, like, like. McKinley because there's a mountain named after him and that's the hat of the world or something. I mean it's most definitely something really dumb. It's not that specifically. <laughs> okay. How about Millard Fillmore cuz his hat is filled more. The only person I even like the only president it's I remember even seeing in a picture with a hat is like Teddy Roosevelt. So I I Not Lincoln I mean, Abraham, famously Abraham wearing Lincoln. Oh, hey, famous. Lincoln, huh? Yeah, that's a that yeah. But it can't be. It's not just going to be like a Lincoln wears a big top hat. Right? Uh the answer is for oh which God. president of the United States wore the biggest hat is the one with the biggest head. What? <laughs> which is not even a joke, just technically true. This is like okay. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Who wrote these? Is what I want. I to know. think maybe these an are like bad. These are like these are like bad dad jokes, jokes, but right. worse. Yeah. Oh. Um. All right. Okay. 
Next riddle. Why is a bear like a fallen tree? Because if it falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, it doesn't make a sound or something. No. Okay. I They're like both the guess. Brown? <laughs> nope. It lies on the forest floor. Uh, no. Okay. Something about I'm, honey. You're not gonna. Uh, no, it's not honey. Uh, no. there's a different word that is connects bear and fallen tree that I don't think you're going to guess. So. The answer for why is a bear like a fallen tree? A fur. To... They're both furry. They're both a fur. Like oh, a fur tree. That's, that's good, too. Uh, <laughs> is that a bear lumbers and a fallen tree becomes lumber. I would love... I want the context now <laughs> of, like, what did this... They were like, oh, so there must be a bear lumbering around Gotham City. Like, what is... Yeah. What's the reveal that... Batman and Robin learn based on knowing this riddle. Is the Some, <laughs> someone's being held at the lumber uh, mill or something? Yeah, it's yeah, probably yeah. that. It's probably mm-hmm. that. Unfortunately, the um, list I found of riddles did not yeah. have the context. Uh, that's but, right. Yeah, that's awesome. Next good. time, um, if you do the segment again, you got to rewatch all the 1960s Batman's too. Uh, I've got I've got the box set you guys you guys gave me over here on the shelf still. So maybe perfect. I'll uh, perfect. I'll give that a rewatch and I'll. Uh, I'll let you know when I, you know, with all the time I have. Yep. Great. After you finish all the decoms. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, two more. What squeals louder than a caught rat? A caught pig. No. A caught uh, rhino. <laughs> a tar. A it's not tire. just a larger animal. Um, okay. A not yet caught rat <laughs> uh the answer is several caught rats <laughs> that was pretty good i'm okay with that, I'm okay with that one. <laughs> the problem with that is like there's very many answers that technically are louder yes yeah. many things all... squeal louder than a yeah cop exactly rat. um that one i think actually is said by batman not the riddler uh is what for the context <laughs> i'm assuming that's how this list works because it has in parentheses like it doesn't say for Riddler, but if it wasn't the Riddler, they have in like parentheses. Okay. Oh. Uh, when's a donkey spelled with one letter? You, because you. That are is a correct. Donkey. Hey, nice work, Tim. This I one knew, is an insult, and it's yet. just yeah. Uh, I that one comes from Robin, not the Riddler. I think he was trying to. <laughs> I'm assuming the context. I don't know for sure. Is that he was uh, making fun of the Riddler? Um, I assume. But anyway, so that's a sampling of the uh, solid riddle writing by the uh, team that wrote the 1960s Batman uh, show. I think it's great. I love it. What a treasure. I'm honestly (laughs) shocked we got basically two of them. Yeah, that was impressive. (laughs) Well, I'm looking forward to more. I'm I'm assuming you have a much bigger list. So if this makes a recurrence, I'm, I'm here for it. All right. We'll see. Uh, I picked more of the gems than some of them are really just straight up Laffy Taffy uh, rapper <laughs> jokes. So, ah, that's fair. That's fair. Well, thanks, Cozy, for bringing us bringing us the good laughs. Always, <laughs> uh, they actually come from the Riddler. So, great, and and Batman and Robin apparently. <laughs> And that brings us to the final segment of the show. Tim, what do you have to pitch for me this week? Uh, well, Cody, you already know, because to take the listeners behind the scenes a little bit, I 
at, based on some of the scheduling things, I give Cody a little extra heads up that this week I would be pitching season two of The Bear. Um, it's time. Just this past week, The Bear won a ton of awards, and I believe the Emmys. Um, the Bear season two is great. It is. I think I teed this up when you watched season one, but I think season one is the more consistent of the seasons. I think season two has some lower lows, some episodes where it's kind of like, I was not really feeling that it's got some story arcs that don't fully hit, but it has unbelievable highs. I think there's character development stuff that pays off in big way. They like did a lot of groundwork laying in season one that really comes through. You see characters like really, learn and grow, and characters really devolve and regress in ways that feel very real and feel very, um, you know, progress is not linear in the real world. People learn and grow and get better, but it's not a straight line, and I think this is a show that gets that. Uh, And the performances from the cast, from, I know everyone has heard about the guest stars in this season. There are some unbelievably good performances from the guest stars, but the core cast of Jeremy Allen White, uh, Io, and Eben, who play the the sort of core three of... Uh, oh my god, I just blanked on all of their... Carmi, Cousin, Sydney. and Sydney. Thank you. Richie. Richie. God, I I had the I was like, I don't need to write the character names down when I was preparing <laughs> for this, because I'll remember them and I totally blank. But yes, Carmi, Richie, and Sydney are awesome through the season. I think the directing also goes up a full notch this season. I think like the the um they were like really inspired by the like one shot episode, the penultimate episode of the first season of like Let's do some adventurous things from a direction standpoint, and the swings they take all hit in that regard. Uh, and so I think it's I think it'll be a good chat, and I suspect there will be some some really high highs. Yeah, the funny thing about uh, you know you giving me all this extra time to watch the show is that uh, we didn't watch any of it. So amazing! Uh, I am <laughs> I uh, we have a couple nights planned over the next. A week or so, uh, about a week that we plan to uh, plow through the show and watch all of it. So we are both pretty excited to sit down and actually watch it. Yes, I suspect you will. Um, I suspect it'll be easy to continue watching it. At least I found it very easy to uh, to binge watch it. Yeah, um, I was correct. It won at ev- basically every Emmy it could. Um, it only lost for guest acting appearances to Nick Offerman in The Last of Us, which is fair. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it won best casting, it won best comedy, it won every other best acting role for Carmi, Sydney, and Richie. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. It was like a really, really great season two of a show. Well, cool. Yeah, I am uh, looking forward to watching it, catching up on it, and then uh, discussing it with you in the next episode. Awesome. I've been waiting for this one. (laughs) All 
right, that brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Hard Sell. Remember to drop us a rating and a review wherever you find your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Hard Sell Show. Send us an email at hardsellshow at gmail.com. We've got a couple streams still going on on Twitch. Tim and Kyle will continue streaming Baldur's Gate on Saturdays at noon Pacific. Cozy will continue streaming her run of uh, KOTOR 2 on Fridays at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. I will someday this year (laughs) get around to uh, streaming... Uh, I can't even remember the name of the game right now. Amazing. Resident, uh, Resident, Evil, Resident Evil 4, oh, uh, four. the remake. Uh, that will happen on stream at some point this year. Um, and until next time, we'll catch you on the floopity flop. Catch you on the floopity flop. Mm-hmm.